What is happening, guys? Welcome to episode 16 of the Triage Method podcast. Paddy has just managed to dig himself out of his igloo that he's been living in for the last few days. Paddy, I hear the snow was quite wild up in Dublin. It was it was bad enough here, but Dublin looked pretty insane. So, hey, you yeah, okay? You yeah. up the other end? Yeah, I had like two two to three foot of snow around where I was. It was good crack, though. Um, we built two forts at a huge snowball fight. I didn't do the work I was supposed to be doing, but you're lucky. It only snows every so often. You have to have your yeah. fun. Also, I had to shovel out so many people's driveways. had to push so many cars out because my estate is pretty, like, destroyed in terms of you're, you're not getting out uh, unless you have an all-wheel drive. Um, so there was a, the amount of cars I had to push in my estate to get out of the estate because people have to go to work and people have to get food and whatever else. Uh, I went to the gym two of the days when it snowed and yeah, it was pretty bad. I had to, like well, one of, yesterday I had to push three cars out of the snow to, you know, actually save them. Um, but it's good warm up. Um, I'd say a lot of people are also feeling if they themselves got into the snow uh, are feeling a lot of muscles that they didn't realize they have um, like people's rotator cuffs and stuff from throwing those snowballs. Like I know loads of people were like, oh, my shoulder is so sore today <laughs> after our big snowball fight. And I know a lot of people shoveling their driveways, all that rotational strength and like in the core and stuff. They're just like, oh, no, I'm dust. Also, everyone complaining about their low back if they're shoveling because obviously you're in this half crouched over position and then you're rotating as well. Like that's not a position you get into often that's not a movement you do often um, unless you're actually training that so a lot of people are feeling sore just from you know going about their daily life and, and again this is what we always talk about you know like i, I shoveled loads of people's driveways i pushed a load of cars out of the way or out of the snow um, and like i'm grand and that's what we're talking yeah. about when we say like I, I want to be able to just whatever tasks come about in my life i just want to be able to take them on and not be in pain from it, not be injured from it, and be able to be a contributing member of society. Like there's like in my estate, there's a lot of people that are like you know 60, 70. Like they still need to get out, even to their neighbors, you know, to get dinner or fucking tea, whatever. So like obviously we just shovel all the paths and all their driveways and stuff, so they could actually you know get out of the house. So they're not just cooped up all the time. Um, like that's the kind of stuff I want to be able to do for the rest of my life. Like I want to be able to out shoveling. Like my dad was out shoveling. Uh, my neighbor two doors down was out shoveling. He's seventy. Like your dad's a savage, though. Yeah, he is a savage. But uh, um, so like that. That's just that's just kind of what I want. You know, I just want to be able to do all that for the rest of my life. And that's why we talk about this this health stuff. Like that's what we're talking about. You know, actually bulletproofing yourself for life and that kind of brings us on to the topic that we're going to talk about today which is what gary yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about how to or we're going to talk about kind of injury and pain as it relates to the typical gym goer but more importantly we're going to talk about how easily i'm going to say easily anyway you can actually prevent these things by just making some smart decisions because you know it's very glamorous to talk about you know or you got this, you got a patellar tendinopathy or you had an Achilles tendinopathy or you had a, a torn rotator cuff and, and then you do all these fancy exercises to rehab it. And it's like, no, 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 we're actually starting way before that point. We actually want to tell you exactly what you can do in your training to stop you getting injured in the first place and explain to you why you are in so much pain, like from your training, if that is you, whether it's your shoulder or your knees or your hips or whatever, because 
a lot of this stuff is so avoidable. And what I like to come back to is like the way the way physiotherapy is 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 taught, for example, right? The way it's taught is that you know you're essentially trying to get people who don't exercise to exercise and to get them to prepare their bodies to be more resilient so that they can, you know, abstain from injury or pain. So essentially we're there. It's, it's the goal is to try to build a resilience a lot of the time in physiotherapy. But what we see in the gym setting is people who are supposedly already doing all of the right things, yet they're still walking around yeah. in as much as much pain as the average person on a day-to-day basis and and that should be a red flag because exercise is supposed to be preventative of pain and injury like it is one of the best tools but the way that people do it is the is the problem it's obviously not the exercise and it, it, the reason that, that we want to touch on it is because people often kind of demonize weight training i guess especially in the general population you know they say that certain exercises are risky or, or you shouldn't do that because it's bad for your back or, oh, Jesus, that looks bad for your shoulders or whatever. And it's like, it's not the exercises. Like exercises prevent injury. Like they shouldn't be causing them if you were doing them properly. Therefore, it is the performance of how people, the performance of the exercises and the total kind of quantities that tend to be the big causative factors. So I kind of like to break this up into like three categories. And yeah, there are more things, but like firstly, would be the the fact that people kind of do too much whether that is too much volume or too much intensity okay so that's kind of our first category of you know causing pain or injury in people um the second one then would be having just absolutely no control in the exercises that you do so just throwing weights around arbitrarily and just being like oh yeah let's just throw them around like no no con- no consideration for the tempo that you're lifting in no control of the change of direction or anything and just kind of hoping for the best with with control um and then the the last one is kind of the ranges that you work in um and we probably thought we talk about this so much you guys are probably exhausted from it but simply do going beyond your active range and training in ranges that you are simply not prepared to tolerate whether that is going too deep on a squat whether that is you know I don't know, deadlifting from the from a deficit when you can barely deadlift from the floor within your active range, whether it's touching the bar off your chest in a bench press, again, that's kind of one of those causative factors. And again, we could kind of, we might touch on it further on where we talk about, you know, some of the more kind of biopsychosocial influences, those, those sorts of things, or people not having enough variation in their exercise and constantly hammering the same movements over and over again. Like those things play a role and we'll touch on them, but I really want to start with those kind of, three things so if we start with Wait, number before we, one before we go before we actually go into intense. this like i want to make it clear to people that yeah. like we keep we keep saying like obviously proper technique you know active range passive range all that kind yeah. of stuff and a lot of people can switch off because they do i don't know the bench press they touch their chest and they have no injuries right and there's two things about that yeah. first of all your joints your whatever ligaments tendons could be prepared for that you could have the ability to do that and have no issue it may be beyond your active range that okay muscular range we'll just say it's beyond that but you have the strength in your connective tissue to actually you know absorb that those forces wherever they're going now that may not be the best way to build muscle because obviously you're taking that tension off the musculature and putting it onto you know connective tissue or whatever but you may be able to 
sustain that and not have any issues. And a lot of people will switch off when you say, oh, active range, because they're thinking, oh, I have no issues when I do that. You know, my joints are my joints are grand. <laughs> my muscles are grand. And that that's perfectly fine, right? You may have the joints. They, they may be prepared for that. You may have built up a tolerance to that, okay? And that's what we're saying. Like, you, you can actually build up a tolerance to being able to do that, right? Like, your joint, like, humans are meant to move. You know, so like you see people doing gymnastics and they get into these like, like I can do the splits, but like both ways, front splits and side splits, you know, that's beyond my active range. Like I don't have control in that side splits position. Like it's a passive range. Like I can slide into it. I can sit in it, but like I couldn't control that position. That's not to say that I, I can never go into that position. I can never go into that range and I should be working on, which I am working on, you know, expanding my control to greater depths in that range. Right. So we're not saying that, you know, or never go into these ranges, completely avoid them like the plague, because that's what kind of people start thinking about when you start thinking about active ranges and stuff. They start thinking like, I'm never going to go near these really end range positions or anything like that. They, they, they completely avoid that. And that's not what we're talking about, because that is actually a recipe for injury in and of itself, because you don't actually have any joint integrity, we'll call it, ligament tendon integrity. You don't You don't have that because you're not ever strengthening those ranges so we're not saying that however gary just touched on it as well a lot of the injuries you see are i don't know you they probably fall in the class like gary you're you're doing this physio lark so you'd be able to talk more accurately about this but a lot of those injuries you see they come from being specialized they're like overuse injuries we'll say you know and it, it is the the trade-off you you have by by doing stuff repeatedly like obviously you want to do stuff repeatedly because you want to get you know the repeated bout effect you want to do it enough so that you can actually you know adapt to it and get stronger from it over time but at the same time you don't want to be doing it so much that you're going beyond your recovery capacities for your joint structures even your musculature everything you know so it is that kind of trade-off where if you want to specialize you have to realize that you are losing something in the process you know and i think a lot of people like we, i said earlier on like people may be able to do you know the bench press and touch their chest and have no issues and that may be because they come from a diverse background they maybe they play basketball or something maybe they play they did gymnastics or mma or some sort of striking sport or something so they have a robust connective tissue musculature around say the shoulder joint that they've built up from doing all these other things and then they go into the gym and it's like, oh, cool. Like I already have, you know, integrity around that joint that I didn't actually have to work on. So then they have no issues going forward until they start really specializing and they start going, oh, yeah, I'm going to bench press four times a week. And then they start running into issues because they realize, OK, that is actually way beyond my active range. And I still I had the, the capacity to tolerate some sort of volume, some sort of intensity, you know, maybe twice a week. And I was still specializing, but I still had that you know, all-encompassing integrity for bench pressing, we'll say, you know? So everything Gary's going to say and everything we're going to talk about today, just view it in the lens that we're not saying never go into these ranges, never, you know, strengthen ligaments, tendons, joints, nothing like that. And then realize as well mm -hmm. that by specializing, you are losing part of your adaptability, we'll say. Anyway, Gary, do go on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that, that is one that is one of the very important points to to keep in mind is that this is a podcast, okay? There are I don't know, hundreds, I suppose, of you listening to this. You're all very different. I don't know how deep your glenoid fossa is. I don't know what your hip anatomy is like. You know, I, I don't know how pliable your tendons are. So all of these different things play a role in determining, you know, whether or not or, or, or how likely you are to maybe be able to tolerate those extreme ranges. Like Paddy, like is it is somewhat hypermobile but if he didn't have the, have the hip anatomy that he has he wouldn't be able to do the splits because he would be restricted from doing it and it's like you have to realize that there are those limitations in place and that when we're on a podcast we have to be conservative in what we're recommending because while you know there could be you know someone like patty in front in front of me who, who's very tolerable of, of extreme ranges and, and for him you could be like all right you know what you can probably fucking afford to push it a little bit. Whereas someone who's maybe just come into the gym, they were previously inactive. So their, their tendons are, are not very pliable at all. They're quite, quite stiff, um, more susceptible to injury. And that person is then going through those extreme ranges. They're not going to be able to tolerate it quite as well, especially, you know, in that end range position where there's a lot of eccentric loading, they're just not going to have the same tolerance for it. So what you have to remember is that this is a broad audience we're speaking to when we talk about these things. Um, Okay, so a good way to think about these three things that we're kind of going to center this conversation on. So, you know, the excess volume, all right? So that's kind of too much work side of things. Then we've got the general lack of control in the exercises that you're doing. So your technique slipping up, you're not in control, etc. And then, you know, working in inappropriate ranges for you. So they're the kind of three things that we're looking at. And rather than thinking of them as like, oh, you you do one and like, that's it. So like, let's say that you're, you go, you do too, you do little too much volume for a while and you're just, you're screwed. That's it. You're done. You're injured. It's like, no, these things are dials. Okay. I want you to think of them as dials. Like when you not, when you push one up and you push it all the way up, then you don't have quite a, you can't really afford to, to push the other two up quite as much. So for example, let's say you are that, that person who touches their chest in the bench press because they're powerlifting or whatever, then you do need to be careful that you are controlling for your volume and intensity and that you are in control of the exercise that bit more. You know, the same goes for, all right, let's say you're, you're, you've kind of poor control in your exercises and you're kind of going through excessive ranges of motion. Okay. Let's say you're, they're the two things that are your vices. In that case, you're probably not going to be able to tolerate quite as much volume or intensity as someone who has all three things in place because you're already kind of pushing the boundaries with those two things. So as a result, you have to be careful about the amount of volume or or intensity that you're doing. But if you were to have those two things on point, so you're perfectly in control of your exercises and you're, you know, training within an appropriate range that is appropriate for you, then in that case, if you do extra volume or intensity, there's probably not going to be quite as much of a risk of injury because you're, you're, you know, you're, you've got those two things on point. So you got to think about how these these things play together okay it's not just a case of you know one goes up and you get injured it's like ah that's not the case it's just like they increase your chance of being in pain or getting injured so if you do all three of those those things so let's say you decide to bump up your volume to 20 sets per week for a given exercise or body part you also decide that you want to work at a very high intensity so all your work is like above 80 to 90% of your one rep max. So you're doing a lot in the, let's say, three to six rep range, okay? So that you, you do those two things. You also have very poor control, okay? So when you 
do your deadlift you know you start with a nice nice straight neutral spine whatever you want to call it as you pull it off the ground you begin to round and you just have very little control on your squats you decide to just drop from the top bounce off your knees and try and kind of hitch it up somehow and on your bench presses you just come down you know slap it off your chest and push it back up so if you're doing those things and you're also doing excessive volume and intensity that's when things start to become troublesome that's when you start to see injuries creeping up so that's the way i like to think about these things okay so if we're talking about volume and intensity to start off with when you are increasing your volume now like we're not going to give you like special volume recommendations because i'm like oh look there's a broad range like maybe five five to eight or ten sets per body part twice per week it's probably a good broad range for people and like I would start at the bottom and work my way up. Some people can get away with less for sure. Um, so if that's your volume range, then you then have to think about how intensity fits in there. So if you normally do all of your, let's say you're doing 10 sets twice per week, you're doing quite a high volume training program, you're doing 20 sets per week. Let's say you then decide to do, you go from doing 10 to 12 repetitions to doing three to five repetitions. So you're doing very high intensity work. If you then just jump up and keep the same level of volume and you're doing 20 sets at 90% of your one or max or something, that's a recipe for, you know, that that's going to be a problem. Okay. And there is, of course, you know, times when you do need to push the boundaries of your volume, you know, you haven't been progressing, you need to do a few more sets or whatever, but I would use kind of the 10% rule as a pretty good a pretty good starting point for when you are progressing and like this is something that will typically be used in, in like team sports let's say if they're if they're ramping up their training uh the total amount of volume that they're, they're doing generally like injuries tend to increase if you're increasing volume by more than 10 percent at a time so let's say you're cur- you're currently doing 10 sets per week let's just use that as a nice number then your increase would be to 11 sets per week you don't jump from 10 sets to 15 sets per week because that's a 150 percent increase and like that's a that's a pretty big jump in volume and it's very unlikely that your tolerance is going to magically have jumped from 10 to 15 like whatever you did so that's what i'd be thinking in relation to volume what do you think on that patty have you anything to add there in relation to volume or intensity or things that people should look out for yeah with volume it's one of those things that it is very individual because Obviously, it's not just your muscular capacity to handle that volume. It is also like your connective tissue, all of that kind of stuff. And the fact that it's impacted by your hydration, your nutrition, your lifestyle factors, all of that is it's quite annoying in a way. Because if you can't standardize all those other things, then you can't standardize a set of volume that you can recover from. Because one week it might be, oh, yeah, I can recover from three sets of this um and the next week it's like oh cool i've actually been sleeping eight hours a night you know stress has been very low in my day-to-day life i've been really good at my nutrition really good at my hydration and then you go okay cool wow i can actually handle 10 sets in this workout and i'm I'm on fire like i feel great you know everything's going great and then it's next week you're you're back up being really stressed and all this kind of stuff you try to go oh well 10 sets was working for me last week so i'm gonna do that again and now you're you're up fucking shit creek without a paddle like because you just can't recover from it and it's one of those things that it's really hard to kind of dial things in because you have to dial everything in to actually understand how much volume you can actually tolerate and again like most people just aren't willing to do that and i'm not saying you have to but when you see all these recommendations on instagram or on people's blogs or whatever it's like 
oh, it's six sets per workout for, you know, triceps and that's the magic number. And you do that twice per week and you're like, how the fuck do you know, man? Like, I haven't been fucking, I haven't been (laughs) sleeping. I have a fucking, I don't know, my fucking dog died. My fucking, I've been let go of my job. It's like, well, how the fuck do you know I can handle that many sets? It's impossible, you know? And again, like the opposite side, I could be like, oh, I've got my recovery on lockdown. You know, all I do is train and sleep. I have a cook. I have literally zero stress. And it's like, okay, you can obviously do way more volume than someone who actually has, you know, a life to live, you know? So it is one of those things that giving blanket recommendations is just, it, it's asinine in and of itself, you know? Yeah, like it, it isn't helpful. Like, yes, we can give you some sort of recommendation. It's like, you're probably going to fall within this range, but even that isn't helpful because then you feel like either you're an outlier somehow because you're like, oh, well, like they said, six sets and I can only do three. And if I do more than three, I'm fucking destroyed, you know? And then you might be like, well, I actually need 12 sets. And they said six sets. What's wrong with me? And like, maybe you are able to actually recover from 12 sets and you are progressing. Maybe your technique is shit. And that's why you have to do 12 sets to even get, you know, some blood flow to the muscle. So there's so many, there's so many factors that go into it. It's pretty impossible to actually give you a, blanket recommendation without just you know ignoring half the population because obviously the people that are actually training aren't athletes they aren't you know people that have everything dialed in you know so it's one of those things where it's like oh i'm like you have to really assess your own tolerance to volume and i don't even mean just work it to work it because one of those things that people always say is like oh well as long as you're progressing you're you're golden you know that, that you're good but it's like okay but you have to be progressing with the same standardized technique because what you'll see is people going oh i'm progressing and they're adding like five kilos to the bar every workout or every week or whatever you're like okay cool that sounds great but you look at their technique from like day one of their program to their technique to like whatever week 12 of their program and it's it's like two different exercises like they started off doing like a high bar squat olympic stance with a pause at the bottom and it's like okay cool it looks great and then by the end of it it's like some fucking half good morning half bounced out at the bottom you know it's like this these are two different exercises like you're not actually you didn't progress the same exercise you didn't standardize things you know so well yeah you are doing a high bar squat you're not actually doing a high bar squat anymore you, like you're doing some convoluted like bounce out of the hole good morning get the weight up whatever it means possible and it's like you didn't actually progress the lift you were trying to progress like on paper yeah it's progressed but you're you're, you're you didn't load the tissues you were trying to load more you know you didn't create more tension in those muscles you know so it's like like it's very individual volume and then it's also you have to standardize so much that people just aren't willing to do that to actually you know dial in their actual volume you know so like i i I hate all these discussions about volume because it's like man i can just give you some random blanket recommendation and it's it does you no good apart from you know helping you initially set up your training you know so that's my thoughts on the topic and i agree yeah I'm, I'm really not a fan of the whole like volume discussion you know being like oh this is what you need to do for a chest this is what you need to do for back this is what you need to do for shoulders it's like man like there's no way you could accurately like assess that like they're they're absolute guesses um but anyway <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about i think we'll, we'll lump the next two together because i think they fit nicely Together and there's no point in kind of separating too much but um so yeah staying within 
ranges you can control and then actually having control. So they're the next two things that we're kind of talking about. So assuming you're doing an appropriate number of sets, which is obviously going to change as you change these two variables, you know, it might be different. You might get, you might even get more out of less because you're doing things better. Um, but if we start talking about the range that is appropriate for you, what I want to take it back to for a second is those anatomical variations that we were talking about at the start. So we were saying that, you know, people are different, you know, people have different anatomies. So for example, if we think about a squat, okay, so we're doing a squat, let's say you have like really long femurs. You're one of those, uh, those people that just, you know, you've got long femurs. It's, it's, it's not really favorable for squatting too much, but you're doing it anyway. You know, you're doing the squat and you've been told that you need to go ass to grass or whatever. You have to go as deep as possible because you saw some infograph on Instagram that said, you know, that's better. Um, so yeah, you're doing your deep squat, but what you have to realize is that, you know, you are going to be getting a lot more movement at the hip in order to make up that range of motion. Okay. Cause when we talk about going like ass to grass or parallel or whatever, these are external standards and it doesn't tell you what is making up that movement internally. So if you are the person with quite long femurs, it's generally going to be the hip joint that tends to come up with a lot of that movement. So let's say you, you come down and you've got, you've got like, you've come to 140 or 150 degrees of, of hip flexion in order to get to the bottom of your squat. And you see this a lot in powerlifters. Like I was watching one, one guy yesterday on Instagram. And I was like, man, he is literally folded over, but you see this a lot. So what you have to realize then is that, all right, that 140, 150 degrees of hip flexion, that is beyond your active range, all right? You can lie down on the floor, pull your knee up towards your chest and see the point that you can hold actively. And I assure you, it will not be that deep as, a hundred, as 140 or 150 degrees, okay? It's just, it's just not something you see in practice. So if you're then doing that, think about the effect that that has over time. Okay, so over time, you're putting a lot of stress on the ligaments within the hip, on the, the structures of the hip, on the small rotators of the hip, and you're just not able to, to actually tolerate that in the same amount of volume, in the same volumes that you'd be able to tolerate a squat that is within your active range at that joint. So all those structures within the hip, the smaller muscles that we tend to forget about, they tend to get quite a beating. And that's when you start to get those those little niggles in your hip, you know, that, that kind of deeper pain that you can't quite pinpoint, you know, it's not your quad, it's not your glute, it's not your hamstring. It's a, a deeper kind of deeper kind of pain that that's nagging you during those exercises. And then, you know, people come up with these things. They're just like, Oh, it's a, I, I have piriformis syndrome or I have, you know, sciatica or I have all these things. And it's like, people just look for labels. People look for diagnoses because that's all they want, you know? And, and that is one of the problems with physiotherapy sometimes is that people can be over diagnostic, you know, that there's just an, such a focus on having a specific diagnosis when if you actually just look at what you're doing and say that all right this is a big red flag you know you're, you're doing these squats that are beyond your active range and you've got twice your body weight on your back let's maybe adjust that and see how that changes things like why not just do that rather than than seeking a specific diagnosis that tends to help um but yeah so that's kind of just one example of, of how this plays out you know you could also look at the bench press you know let's say you've a very shallow sternum angle you've a small little rib cage you've got big long forearms and you come down to to touch your chest because that's what you were told to do but for you to touch your chest you have to go three inches deeper than the power lifter the stumpier guy with the big rib cage who told you to do this so you have to go through through three inches greater range of motion in order to get there okay so that was beyond your active range and then, you know, you've, you've got your rotator cuff that has to go into overdrive to try and support that. 
you know, you've got your long head of biceps that's that's quite stretched. You've got your your anterior shoulder capsule that's dealing with some stress there. You know, you've got your your pec tendons. You've got a lot of things that are that are taking the brunt of that load then in order to force you out of that bottom position. And one of the things you can do to tell yourself that you're in your passive range, and like you see this all the time, you know, people come down and touch their their chest in the bench press and they launch off the bottom because it's really easy because it's just passive tension that's been developed or at the bottom of the squat it's the same you know people bounce out of the bottom and then it gets hard in the middle and it's like if you were actually adhering to how you should be doing the exercise it's generally the bottom part that should be really really difficult so if it's if it's the bottom part that's the easiest uh, very often it's it's passive tension that you've developed um and to be fair like there is a stretch reflex and stuff but it's just it's just a, a discussion um so we've talked about that, that that active range that passive range that's that's one of the things to think about um so don't just have this arbitrary idea of full range of motion in your head because it doesn't necessarily mean anything okay like full range of motion partial range of motion like they're arbitrary statements and you have to actually assess in order to find your actual active range so the biggest the exercises that tend to be the the biggest culprits i would say of pain or injury from people going beyond the range they can control are squats deadlifts bench presses and any sort of shoulder press i guess okay so sorry your squat the ex the exercise that causes the most injuries because people go on go beyond their active range of control is overhead tricep extensions right <laughs> this is true <laughs> no right because people put their arm overhead right okay it's already in a position that they they they're not strong in right then they do it weighted and they have this big nice long lever with their forearm that is behind their head and then their shoulder their shoulders their shoulder off. literally their their shoulder just snaps out of its socket like i have seen maybe eight people dislocate their shoulders doing overhead tricep extensions you know, like I haven't, I haven't seen eight people fucking tear their labrums doing squats in the fucking gym. Like, <laughs> um, so although you're saying like, obviously, you know, all these big compound exercises or whatever, yeah. it's what it's oftentimes it's these little exercises that people don't think are the issue. Like people obviously think of like, oh, it's definitely the exercise I'm handling the most weight in, but like say for, for legs, for example, I would even argue barbell curls. <laughs> like barbell curls as well, like fuck. Or like leg press, man. The amount of people that destroy their lower back from leg press because they let their, their ego get in the way and they're literally just bouncing the weight off their chest because they're letting their knees come fucking all the way to their chest, way beyond their active range of motion in their actual hips. And that, that tension has to go, or that range has to come from somewhere. And unfortunately, that somewhere is yeah. your spine. So... People are fucking messing up their spines uh, by just going, oh, I have to go full range of motion on this leg press. And all of a sudden their pelvis is tucking under them and their spine is fucking taking the brunt of that fucking, whatever, 300 kilos they're loading up on the leg press. You know, so although you're saying compound exercise, like don't want people to just go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just avoid those those big exercises. They're the culprits. It's like, nah, nah fam, it's more likely that these isolation exercises you're doing are the culprit. <laughs> oh yeah, like we could, we could sit here all day if we want to go down that road. You know, barbell, barbell curls tend to be a bit of an issue. Any sort of supinated pull down, bit of an issue. You know, you said the leg press, that's a big one. You know, even even lunges sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> like it just it just goes on you know there's there's countless examples because people just don't think and it's it's funny you mentioned it because people are generally less care 
less careful when it comes to their isolation exercises because they're like, ah, sure, this isn't, this couldn't be, oh, you know, be any grand, way injurious. Like. Just, <laughs> you know, the leg press, that's fine. Sure, just, just you know, round your back and stuff, and that that's cool, you know, no problem there. Uh, but it is a problem, okay? Uh, <laughs> so it's just something to keep in mind, guys, that you have to try and question, you know, what your active range actually is. And that's what we want you to do is actually question things like, like we, we're not here to tell you what your active range is. Cause I can't, you know, it's, a, it's always very different between people. Um, but you just have, you just have a lot of stubbornness in the fitness industry. The bench press is the funniest one. Cause man, like the amount of times we've had this, this conversation with people about their, bench press and saying all right let's maybe stop touching your chest let's go two inches away from the chest and they're like oh yeah that, that feels way better you know it actually oh, my shoulders my fucking bicep doesn't and then, feel like and then two weeks rip off anymore like I, I, my bicep tendon actually oh man I, i'm not in pain anymore yeah and then uh two weeks later you see them on Instagram slapping the bar off their chest again. Like no, no one in particular, or anything. Kyle Mullen, Rob Lipset. Like we're not actually, you know, saying anyone in particular. But <laughs> but it's just it's just funny. Like, um, but Kyle, Kyle knows his mistakes. Like I saw Kyle made a post yesterday, and he was like, "I'm actually just stopping bench pressing because it hurts my shoulders too much." And I just recall that time that we taught him how to do the incline properly and raw, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it feels way better." But then two weeks later, slapping the bar off his chest again. It's like, oh man. <laughs> but um but yeah so that's that's the active range stuff what i want you guys to take away from that is try and kind of question things assess assess the ranges that you actually have available so like for example if, if it's your squat and you're maybe you've got a little bit of hip pain or you've got a bit of knee pain or whatever like lie down on the floor lift your knee up towards your chest in the same direction that you normally would during a squat so into hip flexion Keep your back in a nice neutral neutral position that you normally do during your squat and see what degree, like get, get someone to measure it or even eyeball it or take a picture, see what range you can actually achieve actively, okay? And then what you can do is take a picture of you at the bottom of your squat. If your squat is a greater range than the range you can achieve actively of you, you lying on the floor, then that tells you that you're going beyond the range that you have control of. And people always wonder, you know, they're like, Oh, but but that's not the same thing and it's like it kind of is because if you can't get into a position actively and then you load it up with a load of weight it's like that's a bit of a problem because you might feel comfortable at the bottom of your squat when you have a lot of weight on but that's because you're using 100 kilos to force you down there like like surely we can kind of see that that might be a bit of a problem because while those muscles at the front of the hip joint so you know you're you're your hip flexors as a group, so your rectum, your iliosos, like those muscles, they are supporting the front of the joint during the exercise. So they are the quote-unquote joint managers that are there to give some stability to the joint while the other muscles on the other side are actually eccentrically controlling the movement and, and then concentrically pushing you up into the top as you go up. So just because those muscles aren't, you know, contracting, you know, eccentrically and concentrically to produce the movement, they're still creating stability at the joint. And if they're not within the range that you have available, then they're not able to provide as much support. Um, so then when it comes to control, I actually really like um, the analogy that Tom Purvis um, gave us when we went to his seminar over in London. Um because essentially what Tom, what Tom was saying was that, you know, when you come to the bottom of an exercise and you're changing direction, so for example, the bottom of your bench press, you should treat it like parking a car. Okay, so when you first 
reverse into the space, for example, you know, you're quite confident. You've got two meters until you hit the curb with the tree or the car in front of you. So you're going in kind of fast. You know, that's okay. You're able to you're able to tolerate that. But as you get closer to the car in front of you, you want to be a bit more careful, a bit more conservative. So you start to slow down. And as you get to the back, the, the back part, or like right near the car in front of you, that's the part where you're really slowing it down and making sure that you're in control. And I think that's a useful analogy for something like a bench press where, you know, if you go a little bit faster in the middle of the range, meh, all right, it's okay. It's, it's not going to be necessarily a bad thing. But when you come to the bottom, that's where you want to be really like, you know, controlling the deceleration and making sure that the change of direction is coming from your muscles, okay, so that you're actually really in control. And again, you know, maybe you're performance-based, like you're a powerlifter. Maybe this doesn't apply to you, but we're talking about, you know, people who are in this for health, you know, because that is the only training goal. Um but yeah, that's kind of how I like to think about that. Any other any other analogies or ways of thinking about that, Paddy, or anything no, to add? I just like to view training as a skill. So would you practice, I don't know, juggling? Like you're just going to fucking, oh, I'm just going to bounce these balls around and, and hope I catch them when they, 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 they go up in the air. Like, no, you're going to practice it like a skill. You're going to be as pinpoint accurate as you possibly can be. And why aren't you the same when you're actually doing your training? You know, so like lift, lifting is a skill. You should practice it like a skill or, you know, you're really not doing yourself the the biggest favor with regard to your training, you know. So treat it like a skill, practice it like a skill. I always like to view or like get people to view it as pick your, your training idol, whoever you think has the best exercise, execution, technique, whatever, and imagine them viewing you do that exercise and would they be happy seeing you perform that exercise like that? You know, if you think, yeah, they would be happy. Perfect. If you think they'd correct you on something and correct yourself, you know, and a lot of people, they, they refuse to do this because obviously the ego gets in the way, but like fucking let that thing dissolve. Like who the fuck needs it? Um, uh, like record yourself. That's probably the best way to actually see what's going on. Like record yourself, see if, joints or musculature is moving that shouldn't be moving uh, that you're not trying to target like if you're saying oh i'm trying to target my legs and all of the movement is coming from your low back like again in that leg press what why the fuck like why like why why is that moving you know question that then you know assess can you change that is it something that you are just destined to do because like some people whatever their structure is going to mean that they have to steal some tension from other places because they have to do something for their sport cool if you're just training to build muscle and you're trying to be healthy you probably don't need that you know so yeah assess, assess your technique again going back to that first one assess your tolerance to volume and thus intensity as well and then obviously make progress hell yes to progress baby um well yeah i think i think those three things that we discussed are covered quite well i think that gives you a foundational understanding of some of the things that you should be thinking about when it comes to i don't know why your shoulders sore why your knees are sore whatever it is um but again view them as dials so view them as you know if if one of the things is really being pushed up you need to be careful with the other two okay you need to make sure that those two are really in check so if you've got a phase where you're doing a lot of volume or you're really pushing up intensity you need to make sure the other two things are in place or you probably are a bit more likely to start encountering some pain or injury you know um i think in another podcast what we might do at some point is cover like 
I guess those of you that maybe have had pain for a long time, so maybe you, you've had a sore back for like a year or whatever it is, because there are some different considerations with longer term pain, like persistent pain. So I think that'd be a good thing to discuss on the podcast another time. Um, but before, but before we get to that another time, what we want to also mention is that, you know, pain in and of itself is not directly, you know, linked with tissue damage. Okay. So you can have pain without having anything wrong in your tissues and you can have tissue damage without having any pain. Okay, so you can have you can absolutely have both of those things. So, you know, if you if you were to look at like an MRI of pretty much any joint of the body, let's let's consider the spine or the, the intervertebral discs, uh, you would see a lot of degeneration in people over 50 in people with and without pain. So you but if when people do have pain, then all they see is the oh god, I've got degenerative disc disease. And it's like, yeah, so so do most people your age, but you, you've got pain for a different reason. It's not necessarily because of that. So that's one of the things you have to remember because it does apply to the gym setting as well. So, for example, if you've had if you have a week where you are very stressed and you've had poor sleep and you're under eating calories or maybe you're eating a lot of foods that don't agree with you or, or whatever it is and you've got a lot of uh, emotional stress. So you've had a, an emotional week, you know, you, maybe you had a breakup or something along those lines. All these things add up to kind of amplify any pain that you do feel so for example let's say you did have that niggle in your shoulder that's kind of gone away you know you've been managing it quite well but then you have one of these bad weeks where your body is quite stressed out it's more likely that that pain is then going to be ramped up and amplified on that week and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have had any additional tissue damage it just means that your body's i guess alarm systems are starting to ring a bit more okay so the body overall is more sensitive and pain itself is an output from the brain okay so pain is not something that is created within your tissue it is a response from the brain so it is it is purely a, a brain created phenomenon and if your body overall is is more stressed then that that signal that alarm is going to be more likely to go off louder than if your body was you know really in in good shape overall okay so that is something to remember especially when you are going through periods of I don't know, rehabilitation or you're going through like just trying to get rid of that niggly shoulder, you probably will have good and bad days, good and bad weeks just because of the, of the way the pain signaling actually works. So I think that'd be a good topic for another podcast along with that persistent pain topic because I think it's becoming more and more, more, and more relevant to our field of fitness because I think we can often be I guess oversimplify things in the fitness industry. You know, we talk about just like biomechanics and it's like oh everything is a mechanical problem and stuff and we forget that you know humans are you know psychology is physiology and that there is more to us than just you know numbers and stuff um, numbers and angles and moment arms that's, so we do have to remember that stuff so that's, that's a romanticized view of a time, uh, you know oh science like oh it's disgusting gary don't ever talk about that stuff again uh, but uh yeah, I think that whole thing that you know, pain is actually an output rather than an input. You know, people kind of forget that, or people aren't really taught that. People just don't. People just don't yeah, know. Um, like you are actually creating the pain, either like from your spine or from your brain, or even from the the tissue itself. You know, like the cells themselves. But yeah, like it's not. It's not necessarily like if you stub your toe. Like you can sit there going ah and screaming because you stubbed your toe, or you can turn that off. 
you know, like it, it is to an extent your choice. <laughs> if you look at my favorite example is um, Kuvad syndrome. Okay, so Kuvad syndrome is essentially when your let's say your your wife, your partner, or your baby mama, she's pregnant, she's going to labor, but rather than you know her being the whiny one about the pain and stuff, the man who is watching the 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 birth take place, he actually feels all of the pain, and the wife ends up consoling the man because of how much pain he's actually in. So you know he's feeling labor pain, like he doesn't have a uterus, he's he's not pregnant, but he still feels that pain. And you know there are countless other examples, like phantom limb pain is the best example. Like people who have had like amputations, they still very much feel real intense pain in the limbs that no longer exist so you know even though they don't have a hand in front of them they still feel pain in that hand sometimes and that's kind of a freaky one and it kind of makes people question it a bit more because i think sometimes when we say these things like all pain is an output it's created in your brain it can often sound like it's this it's just us saying oh it's all in your head and it's like no 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 that's, that's not what anyone is saying it's it's actually more so that we're saying we're trying to explain the phenomenon of pain um, so that you can understand it a bit better. And it's funny because that, that actually tends to lead to better outcomes for people in pain when they do understand like how it actually works because that is empowering. It's like this whole health and fitness thing. You know, you get better results if you truly understand what you're doing and, and you understand the phenomenon. So, you know, that's what we're here to do, yeah. to inform. Like with that, with that pain one, like a really easy one that people can kind of more, I don't know, identify with is like for guys, if I showed you a video of a guy getting kicked in the dick, like you're gonna feel that. Like you'll you'll see automatically. Like automatically you feel that. You know. And same with a girl. Like if you, I don't know. You think of any anything. Like I'm gonna punch you in the tit or something. Like you'll feel that. <laughs> like you you'll you'll feel that. You know. So like you actually created that pain in your head because you identified that that is a painful thing. You want to avoid that, and that's essentially what your brain is doing. It's triggering this alarm system where it's like, okay, cool. You put your hand on a hot stove. Like get the fuck off that hot stove. Like pull your hand away. You know. That I'm creating the pain to tell you to do something, you know? Um, and, and obviously that system isn't a foolproof system where, uh, whereby, you know, like, oh, here's the pain, there's the trigger, like move away from the trigger, the pain is gone. Like it's not a foolproof system like that. It's like, here's pain, I'm telling you not to move this limb because I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like your body doesn't know what the fuck is going on here. So I'd rather you just didn't move it at all until I can get a, an accurate assessment of the damage done so i'm going to create a load of pain so you don't fucking move you know like like that that's essentially what your body's doing in in some instances you know so i, I think people kind of can identify more with that if i showed you a video of someone anyone getting hurt you can automatically identify with that pain unless you're a psychopath then you probably don't identify with that pain um and that's also another thing as well like fucking people with different brain conditions or like you know psychopathies and stuff like say if i yawn like you'll yawn you get all these mirror neurons going on and you'll yawn like i moved my head earlier on you started copying with my head movement yeah um so like you get all these mirror neurons going yeah exactly you get all these mirror neurons firing and it's like okay cool i'm gonna copy that same with yawning like if i yawn like you'll you'll probably more likely than not yawn as well you know like you just yawn and now i want to yawn um but psychopaths psych psychopaths don't get that like they just don't yawn you know uh, like if i yawned like they just would be immune to it like they don't have any of that that empathy see you're yawning now gary i'm just even mentioning it and you're yawning um and yeah so it's like psychopaths don't get that so it is a lot of this brain stuff that 
we, to an extent, don't fully understand because obviously if the brain was smart enough to understand itself, you know, it would be a self-realizing organ, which would be pretty fucking weird. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so pain is an output. That does not mean it is your fault. Yeah, and and like I, I think one one cool thing to not cool, but I guess people people are very resistant to this. You know, they're very resistant to the idea that you're telling me that my shoulder could be sore because I didn't sleep enough or because I was stressed, and it's like you know, it's like oh no, fuck that, that's that's stupid, and it's like okay, but when you're really really stressed and you don't sleep enough and you get a headache, you accept that as normal, or when you get a cold sore, and it's like. Oh yeah, I guess uh, maybe I I didn't really think of that. And it's like how could all these things are being you know affect all these physiological things are being affected by your psychology or by your sleep or by your stress or whatever. So why can't we accept that a shoulder or a knee or a hip or a knee or, or an ankle is the exact is the same thing? You know, they're still all locations in the body. So why can't why couldn't their pain be caused by um, these different lifestyle things? And, and the truth is, they can. So we will do another podcast on that at some point um, on the more persistent pain side of things because I think it's interesting. But for now, I think I think we're good. I think we're yeah. We can wrap, this, wrap up, this up. I just want to say one more thing because you know, seeing a lot of stuff on social media about all this snow and all this ice and whatever else, and people are going wild, going, "Oh, I have to get to the gym." You know, oh, I trekked for two hours in the gym, and it's like, cool, that's fine. Like, I went to the gym, and there's like two, three foot of snow here. So, like, I'm not saying I'm a hypocrite and saying I didn't want to go to the gym. Like, clearly, I did. However, what I want to address is all these people that are, you know, absolutely dying. Like, oh man, they're they're going they're going crazy indoors um, because they need to get to the gym. Like, I hope these are the same people that are going crazy. You know, sticking to their macros and their their calories because. If you're going, oh, I need to go to the gym, I, I'm, I'm dying for it, and you're not doing having the same mindset with your nutrition and you're just binge eating because you're stuck indoors, I'd really question your entire approach because are you just self-medicating with exercise? Like if you are, perfectly fine. I'm not going to judge you, but just realize that if you are actually in it for health and in it for the long-term game, like you should have the same approach to your diet your nutrition as you have to your training so if you felt over this little snow spell that oh i'm dying because i need to go to the gym i feel like i'm not going to make any progress because i'm not going to the gym and you didn't stick to your diet like you were eating off track because you were bored again i would just question your entire mental approach to this whole thing like, were you just using that exercise because, oh, I couldn't stick to my diet because there was a little bit of boredom. Um, so I overate loads and now I need to punish myself by going to the gym and doing two hours of exercise. You know, like, again, just really question your approach with that whole thing. Like the snow shouldn't throw off your nutrition. You know, like there's there's literally no reason unless you're trapped in your house and there's nothing to eat. Like that's the only reason it should throw off your nutrition if you physically couldn't eat because there was nothing in your house, you know? So again, just keeping that in mind and actually actually questioning your entire approach because I saw a lot of people going, oh, whatever, basically binge eating, going like, oh, stuck indoors, here's my ice cream and blah, 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 whatever else. And it's like, I see them, their social media posts the next day being like, oh, I have to get to the gym because I've been stuck indoors and, you know, I need to make progress and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and 
it's it's not like oh i'm going to make progress in one area and just completely ignore the other area if your actual goal is progress you know so you have to keep the mindset that i want to be doing having the same thought process with my diet as i have with my training so like your training is not punishment your training is enjoyment and like obviously you want to progress in whatever realm you are progressing strength physique development whatever it is health i don't know um so that that's all encompassing it's not just one or the other because that's what a lot of people it appears from social media view it as they just binge eat and then punish themselves in the mm-hmm. gym or they have this whole mindset that if they don't go to the gym you know their life is fucking ruined you know i, I and like they're, they're the exact same people that don't have that mindset with their nutrition you know so i'm not saying that that is a good mindset to have with your nutrition at all or nothing approach but I would just question your overall thought processes if you were kind of thinking something similar to that, because it's not one or the other. It is both. You know, you do need to be watching your nutrition. You do need to be watching your your training to actually progress. So if you are punishing yourself with training because you didn't have that all or nothing approach with your diet, Again, I'd be just questioning why that is the case. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah. And, and let me just add as well, saw everyone on social media saying how bored they were because the gyms weren't open and stuff. And like, just in future, if anyone ever is that bored, we will give you plenty of jobs to do, okay? If you want to do some volunteer work for triage for a couple of days, we'll give you plenty to do, okay? If you're if you're that bored. Because it's funny because a lot of the people that were saying they were bored are the people that are putting up the photos about how they're lions and about how productive they are and how busy they are all the time. And it's like- I just, delete, I just deleted everyone so off not my Instagram and stuff that know. said, like complained at all. I was like- Man, there's people out there fucking, they can't get food to their house. They can't get food to their house. They can't, their roads are blocked. It was like, yeah. get a fucking shovel, go out and help people. Like that you're supposed to be a contributing member of society. Yeah. Like if you're bored sitting at home going like, oh, yeah, Netflix bored, suggestions. Man. It's like, get the fuck, read a book, fucking get some actual self-development. Don't just sit there like a fucking lazy ass bum. Like actually do something for your society, for yourself. Like, fuck that, man. Like, I just deleted about fucking 30 people that were just fucking talking shite going like, oh, couldn't get out of the house. So any Netflix suggestions? I was like, all right, see you later. I'm oh, fucking stupid. Like, it's like people, people read all these self-development books and they're, you know, right, watching self-development videos. I was like, man, self-development is an act. It's about what you fucking do. Like, it's about actually, you know, actively developing yourself. Like, you cannot read a book and make yourself a better person. Like, if you're going to sit sit at home fucking, like, watching, I don't know, Gary Vee video, videos to bait the band and fucking, you know, the latest, I don't know, stoicism video on youtube but you're not actually doing anything then it's kind of a waste of time yeah, like, being this but that's like, not to say like you can't you know, have some downtime and actually watch some netflix whatever but that's like <laughs> that's reward after you've put oh, in the work you know like oh man like i was seeing people like they're like oh playing Fortnite for yeah. fucking four hours and i'm like yeah right, that's cool like that's fine what else did you do the rest of the day and it's like oh yeah i just you know watch some tv and ate some food and that was it and like i wouldn't mind that if that was the case that you had been fucking killing yourself for the rest of the year and like these are your first few days off the entire year it's like fucking cool you, you fucking maximize your your downtime that's cool no worries with that but if you're just going like oh yeah i'm bored because i can't get out of the house and go to the gym and that was the only thing in my life that was you know 
in any way productive again i just fucking question your overall approach to life because at the end of the day it's not just your physique development it's your mental development your fucking spiritual development like how many of you did actually like everyone said it on social media they're like oh yeah just you know call into sick or to elderly or sick people and check on them how many of you honestly fucking called into one of your neighbors like one of your older neighbors and were like oh are you okay do you need any bread do you need any fucking milk or whatever like my dad has an all-wheel drive so we could get out uh, and drive down so we, we just called into the neighbors and stuff and we're like oh do you need anything you know any bread milk fucking butter whatever the fuck i don't know what normal people eat and we just went down to the shops and, and, and got it for them like even like yesterday like my neighbor just wanted to go out and get some like <laughs> you know chipper or something for his family because they didn't really have enough for like dinner and stuff and like the, the snow is pretty deep but it's it's drivable once you get onto the main roads. It's mainly our estate, and he only has uh, front wheel drive. So obviously his car is fucking pretty shit in the in the the snow. But uh, yeah, we just brought him out. Well, my dad just brought him out. You know, went to the shops and stuff, and brought him back. Like you know, so it's like how many how many of you did actually you know contribute to society? Because everyone always likes to fucking bag on society being you know shit and whatever else. But like, how many of you actually contributed to making it better? Because um, mm. if you're not actually contributing then you don't have a fucking voice because you know no one's going to listen to you going like oh society is shit and it's like okay cool what did you do to make it better and it's like nothing all right cool so you're the reason it's shit because people like you are doing nothing and contributing nothing so it's like who, who the fuck cares like what your voice is meaningless because you you do nothing you sat at home playing Fortnite all day who cares yeah and let me let me just add as well my neighbors here in briarfield limerick they're all drunk students because it was rag week in Limerick. So there's no way I was helping any of those fuckers because to the lads across the road, if you're listening to this, who tried to steal our bins in the middle of the night, the other night, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find you boys. I'm going to find you and I'm going to, I'm going to put bad things. Yeah, but it's bin, like all those bro. people in like Jobstown yeah. and Jobstown and stuff that went there, you know, breaking into that little and like burning out cars and it's like yeah they should all be fucking hanged like i don't fucking care like they're not contributing members of society oh straight up bang no, like on. they're not contributing members of society there was a lot like of imagine that like imagine like that yeah. that little probably has fucking 200 employees now all those 200 employees are out of a job right don't mind that right so now oh your car you got struck in the snow oh we burnt out your car as well 30 cars so now fucking the dad can't get to work and the mom can't get to work. She works in Little Say. She fucking, you know, stack shells, does the, the checkout, whatever. The dad's trying to fucking drive down to his work. Two of them are out of a job. There's two more people extra on the dole in your society that you just fucked over because, what, you wanted to have a little bit of fun? All right, fucking cool. And half of them, them themselves are on the dole. They're in social wealth or social houses. And it's like, they should all just be taken off of them. They should all just be executed. And if you don't want to be a contributing member of society, that's cool. Society won't contribute to your development either. Like you can, you'll happily accept our money, but you won't happily accept, you know, actually abiding by the civil rules. And it's like, man, fuck that. Like that's, it's actually just fucking scum. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, they were trying to get food. They didn't have any food, man. I don't know what fucking food is kept in the fucking safe. And like, I don't remember being like, oh yeah, cool. There's bread in the safe. And they fucking fuck that. Like they clearly weren't trying to get food. All of them running outside with fucking crates of beer and stuff, man. They should just all be executed. Every single person. Cause there's loads of videos on social media. There's loads of videos going, doing, doing the rounds on WhatsApp groups yeah. and whatever of all these people. And like, you can clearly see their faces. You can clearly see whatever. They should all be either deported or executed. They should be given the option 
right? You can either be executed or you can be deported. And I know in Ireland we'll probably do fucking nothing because that's the way fucking Ireland, Ireland is run. Like they're like, oh, nine arrests. Man, every single person that watched that safe trying to be cracked into, their accessories to that criminal act, you know? So they should all be charged as a result of that. Like you can clearly see them all, all standing around it. They're all accessories to that criminal act. You know, that including the kids. Like, I don't fucking care. Like you bring your kid out and watch that. The the kid the kid is involved as well. Like that's not the kid's fault, but it is the kid's fault at the same time because you brought them out, you raised them in that society that thinks and views that as okay. You know? So yeah, it's a bit of fun, whatever, you know, but um if you're not contributing to society and you want to make society intentionally worse by burning out cars, by fucking destroying the local shop, uh, fuck that. Like imagine like again, you have whatever you get you're on your dole you're, you're you're really looking for a job you're just surviving with the dole money you know you're in social housing because you know you've fallen on hard times you're actually fucking trying to do your best like a lot of people in jobstown are actually just trying to do their fucking best you know and then there's a load of fucking like lads are going oh yeah let's just fucking ruin society like that 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 little now what, where are they going to go after that that little is providing them food and providing them work and now it's like okay cool so that whatever 200 euro that i've been surviving on on the dole like going to little, getting my food a little bit cheaper. Now I have to go down to Tesco and get it. It's twice as expensive. Now I'm surviving on less food and I have less money in my back pocket at the end of the day. You know, so it's like all those people should just be fucking rounded up and executed. Yeah, anyway, boy. we will. <laughs> Triage method, right wing political podcast incoming. <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree with you. There's a lot of people standing up, standing up on, on social media being like, oh, but society like did nothing for them. And it's like, man, I, we just looked at our bank account there last week. You see the fucking revenue direct debit coming out. We're paying taxes to pay for these people's fucking dole that they're then taking and fucking stealing diggers and knocking down little. It's like, nah, that's yeah, not like, like, so much. You know? them, it's like, fuck that. Like, yeah, to an extent, society has failed them because they're not achieving their potential. And that's obviously in, an ex- in itself bad but if you want to then you know destroy the foundations of society and not act the way society requires you to act then okay cool don't like like the way i always look at it is like all right cool those those lads doing that whatever breaking in there stealing the safe doing all that kind of stuff like imagine like i'm I'm six foot five hundred kilos like they're they're fucking their missus or their fucking mother on the shop in the tills fucking you know doing the fucking whatever doing the groceries whatever i just go over all right this is all my money now i just fucking give her a dig knock her out kill her and it's like that's basically what you're acting like in society if you want to do that be like oh we're hooligans we can do whatever we want it's like all right well i'll act like that too and then no, no one will be safe. If everyone acts like that, no one will be safe. So you can't have have it both ways and be like, oh, we want to have the safety and security of a, a healthy society, but then we want to have all of the benefits of that and then just act counter to that society, you know? So pretty fucking scum. But anyway, that is not our place. And again, it's Ireland, so they'll probably get a nice slap on the wrists, <laughs> a 300 euro fine or something. And then see you later. Anyway, we are out. Yeah, we have a Facebook done. live to do. So, any parting words, Gary? Um, let me think. Um, oh yeah, it's it's actually my birthday next Saturday, so I'll I'll be expecting presents from all Triage Method podcast listeners. So that's about it. Um, I'm I'm 18 next week, so <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I thought you were 16. 
Ah, 17. Let's not fool the people. Right. So no parting words. (laughs) Nah, I'm good. Peace out. Triage fam. Dun, dun, dun.